You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So on the docket today was supposed to be another team. Maybe we'll get to it, maybe we won't. It's one of those things where some other stuff we got to talk about, I don't know how long that's going to take. And um, it kind of is one of those things where once we get to a certain point, there just isn't enough time to cover another team, so we're going to have to talk about something else, I guess. But on the docket so far, we got uh, some changes coming to the podcast. I want to go over that somewhat thoroughly with you. Got a couple uh, text messages yesterday. I think one for sure I'm going to touch on. The other one maybe will be my ace in the hole if there's kind of a timing issue here. Um, some news about Jimmy Graham, some news about uh, coaching hires and whatnot, and uh, I think that's right about where we're at so far. So anyways, before we get there, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. There's a few other links for Venmo and PayPal if you want to go that route. Packernet.com, packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. NFLbigboard.com, again, updates eventually going to... I'm actually slowly doing it. I'm, I'm finding all the sites that have a post... Um, Senior Bowl, Big Board, and I'm updating them as it comes in so that it's not quite as much work all at once. But it's probably going to be a little while before uh, a lot of these guys get it in. So plan on maybe next week having a big update there. Uh, one thing that I do know for sure, Josh Allen is going to go flying up, which is great because the last time I did a mock video, uh, Josh Allen got drafted where he was valued prior to, you know, I don't know, two weeks ago when he was a mid-first-round guy. Now it seems he's a consensus top five, so I just got absolutely annihilated in the comments section. <laughs> because, oh, Josh, which, I mean, give me a break, man. Two weeks ago, if somebody would have said Josh Allen gets picked number three overall, everybody would have laughed at him. Now everybody's a genius and knows for sure that Josh Allen's top five. People, man, I swear. Like, these things have been changing. We've all seen them change, but everyone's pretending like, no, it's always been this way. Why are we, what it? This whole emperor's got no clothes thing in every facet of our society is just incredible to me. Where everybody just says the same thing and we all know it's not true, but we just can keep pretending and I'm supposed to... No, man. No. I, 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 no. I know you saw it. I know you know this. We all know it. <laughs> but we all just let each other get away with it. Like, I won't call you out if you don't call me out, so I guess that's how we're going to do it. But anyways, that'll come eventually. Be sure to jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. And if you have any questions or if there's any comments that you'd like to get off your chest that you would like aired on the podcast, not just random comments, 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. All right, so first and foremost, and I've, I've been sort of foreshadowing this because I kind of felt it was eminent, but what I'm going to do, and it is essentially going to be a six-month trial, which is going to bring us up to just prior to the regular season, and we're going to try something a little different. And what I decided to do is I'm going to join a network, similar to the Lockdown Network, right? It's, it's basically just a group of podcasts that all kind of come together and work together. Um, with that come a lot of benefits, some things that maybe aren't my favorite that I've been kind of 
hesitant to do, but I think the benefits are to the point where it sort of outweighs not doing it, and especially because, from my perspective, as much as I absolutely love doing this, and as much as I said and do believe that I have the absolute best listeners anywhere, the support is awesome. The fact of the matter is, since probably about episode 50 to right now, we're at about episode 310-ish or whatever we're on, I don't think I've grown a single listener in that time period. Now, the whole reporting thing with podcasts is very sketchy, and maybe the average is a little bit higher, but it's, it's basically stagnated for that entire period of time. So as much as I would love to sit on my moral high horse, my better-than-thou high horse, um, I want to run through a couple of the perks that come with things like this. And again, it's a six-month trial, so bear with me. We'll see how it goes, and we'll reevaluate come August. But um, just so you know, I'm, I'm going to go through, I mean, not line by line with this contract that I've uh, signed on to, but just so there's some transparency in terms of why I made the decision I made. Now, the first benefit, and when I had the first conversation, this was back in November, it's been a pretty slow and drawn out pro- uh, process because it's an actual, it's a new network, so they've been building it. So it's one of those things you send out a question like, what about this? And then it's a month later before you hear back. But one of the biggest things that I said was, I'm intrigued by the idea of working with other podcasts. Um, these are Some of these are pretty big, um, well-known people, whether it's social media or their podcast or whatever. But the ability to work with other teams. So, for example, we're going up against the, you know, the Carolina Panthers. I can jump on a call with the guy from the Carolina Panthers podcast and we can interact. And even, you know, whether it's he jumps on my show, I jump on his show or just reach out for some information, whatever, that's an an amazing benefit to me, and especially in the off-season. In the off-season, there's not going to be that much, so the ability, again, when we do like we're doing right now, what are we doing right now? We're we're breaking down other teams. It would be kind of nice to be able to reach out to, to, you know, Joe Panthers over there and be like, dude, why don't you come on over here and talk to me about some of this stuff, to provide some additional insights and whatnot. And, uh, you know, the, the cross-promotion aspect of that. So, for example, the there's actually several teams per network, which is somewhat different than, like, Locked On does. Whatever, I don't care. But uh, Connor Rogers, if you know who he is from, um, he's on Matt Miller's podcast. He's with Bleacher Report, you know, kind of a relatively big-name person on Twitter and, a, and whatnot. He's a part of this network. Maybe some other people that I just didn't recognize, but as I'm scrolling through, I'm like, oh, Connor Rogers, I know who that dude is. So that was the first big initial draw. A couple other things that are a part of being in this network. And it's part of the network isn't just a collection of podcasts. There's actually, this is actually a company, which means there is a team, there is staff involved. One of the things they're going to be doing is they are going to be taking on my hosting, which means I record it and I send it to them and they take care of it. Now, hosting isn't a major cost as far as my costs go. Usually it's more the big things like, PFF and Game Pass and you know the beginning of the year I've got to drop 500 bucks or whatever it is to get all to renew all this stuff but it is an additional thing and and it's going to be better you know I I get the cheapy stuff because I don't want to go crazy with it so they're going to be taking that on but another really big thing is there's a part of their team is they have audience building services whether that's social media whether that's advertising they have staff that is dedicated to helping grow the show. 
So, I mean, that, that's kind of my goal right now, especially in this off-season, for me personally, is to grow the show, because I do believe this is a very good show. I like what we do here, and I genuinely believe if more people found the show, they would be attached to the show. I just don't think I'm doing a very good job of getting the show out there. I think my listeners are doing a better job than I am. I get messages all the time, like, I've been talking to my friends, I've been doing all this stuff. I haven't done hardly anything, <laughs> really, other than... You know, throwing it up on my Twitter and on my Facebook group, which is people that are already listening to the show, that, you know, it doesn't help me. So, that in and of itself makes it worth it. And as much as there's certain things that I was hesitant about, it's a six-month deal, I'm going to give it a shot. It is still my podcast, it is still the Packernet podcast, it's just that I am a part of a network and there's certain things that have to happen that I have to cooperate with to make it work a certain way. Now, the big question I'm guessing everybody's going to have is, does that mean you're going to have ads on the show? Yes. Now, there's two kinds of ads, as I'm sure you know. There are, what up, dance party? You're kind of interrupting, business meeting. There are the ads that is, you know, like a commercial that plays, and then there's the ads that the host reads. Um, What I can tell you, and I've discussed this, and it was one of the, the biggest things that I had to kind of put my foot down on, is that I will not read anything on the show that, you know, I'm, I just, I, I listen, I've, I've been very upfront with you and, and not trying to sell stuff that I don't believe in and kind of, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because I'm not supposed to say bad things about certain things. But I feel like authenticity is kind of one of my big selling points on the show. I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't tell you anything that I don't think is true. And I want to carry that forth as far as any advertisements that I do or don't read. They've told me that I have the ability to say, no, I'm not doing that. I don't have that ability with the commercials that play, but I do have that ability with um, things that I read, and I'm considering you know, the, the, the relative size of this show and the small amount of money that comes in, plus it, the, the revenue split is 50-50, so I mean, you, you take the small amount of money, then you cut it in half, they get half of it. There's not that much money anyways. So that so just to be completely honest, this is never about money because there's no money in it anyways. So I, I don't have any qualms with saying I'm not reading that. I've already turned down things. If you remember, if you've been listening for a while, I did like three ad reads and I just said I can't do this anymore. I'm not doing this. That's not to say I'll never do any, but I'm absolutely going to turn down certain categories and then beyond that, even so, it's going to be, I'm going to have to look into it, and it's got to be something that I think is actually kind of cool and not just nonsense. So that's going to be, that's it's one of the perks of having a small show and there's no money coming in. You know, it's, how much am I willing to sell my soul for? I'm not going to sell out the show for a $10 bill. It's just, I'm not going to do that. You want to offer me $1,000, I mean, I'm just saying, but <laughs> the show will never be that big, so we don't ever have to worry about that. So anyways, that that's basically the rundown, and again, I just, you know, some people probably don't care, and they're like, whatever, talk Packers, but, you know, it's 300 episodes, man. Some people have been invested for a long time, and uh, it's kind of a big deal for a lot of reasons. So I just, again, just want to be transparent with what's going on. It's six months. If we don't like it, when the season starts, we'll go back to the way it was. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have to, I got to do something different, because uh, what I'm doing just isn't good enough. And, uh, you know, grind only gets you so far at some point, you know, you got to kind of reach out for help. You know, especially not being a big social media person. You look at just about every other Packers podcast, they all talk to each other. They're all friends with each other. They all promote each other. they got big social media followings. They're, you know, you look at, like, Pack-A-Day. 
I think the the first ever ever episode of Pack a Day, if I had to guess, probably had more listens than I'm getting right now because they have a massive social media following across all their their podcast people, all the people they have on that show. It, they they probably jumped to around number two right out of the gate, right? That's just being smart. And again, I can sit on my high horse all day long and be like, yeah, but I put in the work and I da 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 da. Okay. <laughs> Nobody cares. So, this is what we're doing. Anyways, any questions about that, hit me up. Oh, and um, it could start as early as tomorrow. That's actually the plan, but, you know, things never go as fast as they're supposed to. I'm sure stuff is going to come up, and I don't have time, and I need one more thing, and this and that and the other thing, and it could be two, three, four, five days, but as early as tomorrow, and you'll know because there'll be like one of those, you know, voiceover intro things. I'm still keeping my music. I'm never giving that up. At least I hope not. But, you know, you'll know. So anyways, moving on. Um, Actually, I forgot about it, but I do want to offer a correction. I've been saying, and I don't really know why because I knew this was true, Nick Perry's been a 10-sack guy every year. It's not every year. It's it's the prior two years in a row he's been a 10-sack guy. And even that is not necessarily true. you got to kind of... I guess fudge the numbers a little bit to make last year a 10-sack thing. If you account for, you know, the season over 16 games, it comes out to about nine and a half sacks. But I think he was out like half a game. So if you count count it to whatever it was, 11 and a half instead of 12, it comes out to about 10 sacks. And then the season prior, which is the one big year that everybody recognizes was, you know, the contract year and all that stuff. He had, I think over 16 games, it was like 12 sacks or something. So I want to make sure that I offer that because I don't want people going, oh, he's he's a stud. He's been doing this every, it's not every year. It's the last two years in a row. And even that is kind of iffy. But, he, you know, regardless, again, 12 sacks followed by even nine sacks. I don't mind that. And 10 sacks is really hard to do. That's a pretty good benchmark. So anyways, getting to um, the first question of the day, well, technically the only question, but um, essentially it was expressed that he's he or she is very excited about the uh, new quarterback coach. I'm sorry, linebacker coach. The outside linebacker coach, Mike Smith. And the question is, should Clay Matthews stay now that he has a really good coach for him, maybe a one-year deal? Now, I've been banging the drum for Nick Perry. Um, I mean, it just... All right, so, so here's let's just lay out the situation. Because I think it makes sense to keep one of them I don't think it makes sense to keep both of them. Now, people are all hot and bothered about get dumping Nick Perry, um, but I, I just want to remind you, and granted, if we do this next year, we, we're off the, he's off the books entirely, which is great, but this year we're only saving a little over $3 million. We're not dumping his contract. He's, he's owed $14 million. We'd have to eat eleven. So, you know, I've mentioned people kind of say things. I, I don't like the way people phrase things. On one hand, you could say we have to eat $11 million, but we're, we already have to spend 14 anyways, and then we get $3 million, but I, I don't want to think of it as we get $3 million because it's kind of like pretending we're earning money by losing money. You know what I mean? Like if you buy a car, drive it off the lot, and then sell it and being like, dude, I just made like ten grand. It's like you spent $15,000 on this car. You did not make ten grand. You lost five. How do you? Why are you thinking that way? So I think the best way to phrase it is, we can spend fourteen million to keep them, or we can spend eleven million dollars to get rid of them. I think that's the right way to look at it. 
Would you rather spend $14 million for Nick Perry to play with a new outside linebacker coach and the ability to possibly revitalize his career and get back to nine or so sacks? Or would you rather spend $11 million for him to not be on the team? Now, with that, for me, it's really simple that we would, you know, we would keep him. However, the additional caveat is we save $14 million um, next year. We save $14 million in 2021. So that's pretty big. And that also makes it a pretty big gamble because we're in the same spot next year. If it doesn't work this year, now next year we got to eat a bunch of money, but it's a lot less. Next year, the question would be if we decide to get rid of him, would you rather keep him for $14 million or um, get rid of him and pay $7.5 million? Right, so it's not as painful. So that's the contract situation. And obviously getting rid of Clay would just be, I mean, it would be the easiest because on, on you know we, we don't have to pay him. It's just a, a zero-sum gain, I guess. Nothing gained, nothing lost, really, aside from Clay Matthews, obviously. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Um, from a player standpoint, though, the other reason I'm big on Nick Perry is because I feel like if anybody has anything left, it's Nick Perry. Um, you know, th- this, was a, this wasn't just a drop-off. This was his worst year ever. And we, we talk about Nick Perry as like having one good year and then being terrible. Here's how it kind of breaks down. 2012, he was bad. 2013 and 14, he was average. 2015, he was, I guess, above average, pretty close to being good. 2016 and 17, he was good. He wasn't freakish in 2016 and bad again in 2017. He was good in both years. Then in 2018, he was bad and it was his worst year ever. Now, he's never going to be a stud. His, his pass rush ability has never been that elite. If anything, he's a good run defender and a decent tackler. Is he worth that much money? No, we probably never should have done this deal. But whatever. I see 2018 as more of an aberration than I do 2016. Not that I necessarily see him getting to 12 sacks again, but I, I think if he can play at his optimal at 29 years old, I think he'll be closer to 2016-2017 than he will be to 2018 because he just completely fell off a cliff, and that doesn't make sense. That's not Nick Perry. Just like this wasn't Clay Matthews this last year, something was wrong. Something is wrong with the team. Something was wrong with the locker room. Something is wrong with the coaching, especially with the outside linebackers. I've been talking about it every single day. 
Now, if you look at Clay with the with the exact same kind of perspective, he was pretty solid in 2017, but that was somewhat of an outside thing. Clay hasn't been a good football player since about 2012. Right, 2009 to 2012, he was a good football player, real good. Solid tackler, great pass rusher, decent in coverage, not the best at run defense, but whatever. The fact of the matter is in 2017, and, and he didn't really even get better at much of anything except for some reason he was really, really good against the run. And that popped up his grade. But as far as pass rush, nothing since 2012. I just don't think Clay has it anymore. He can't cover. He's not great at pass rush. He has not been able to tackle since 2012. His run defense has never been any good with the exception of 2017. I think if you get both of these guys at their best, if we're going to say Mike Smith is going to fine-tune these as best as they can be fine-tuned, Nick Perry is the one that can be revitalized. Clay Matthews can't. Now, the the other benefit, you know, so, so there's two different things. There's which one can be the more beneficial to keep as far as play with Mike Smith, and then there's the contract situation. The contract situation is probably better to dump Nick Perry because we save a bunch more money in the long run. Not so much this year, but beyond this year, we're looking at, you know, $28 million over two years being saved, close to 29 probably. You can do a lot with that. We got some big contracts coming up in the near future. We got we got a Kenny Clark extension coming up really soon. That's going to be big money, ladies and gentlemen. If we can free up $14 million from Nick Perry, it, it's not even going to hurt very much, even though he's probably going to get more than $14 million. You figure <laughs> with Nick Perry's contract and Aaron Rodgers' contract, you know, Kenny Clark's going to hurt a little bit. Mike Daniels, if we end up extending him, you know, it's it's probably not going to be Kenny Clark money, but it's going to be big money. And that's if we keep him. And, and again, I've, I've said I don't know that we're going to. You know, the Packers have talked about how you can't spend too much at one position. Jordy Nelson was gone. He said they basically put that nail in the coffin when they paid um, Devontae Adams. Because you pay Devontae Adams a bunch of money. We're already paying Randall Cobb a decent amount of money. We can't have Jordy. That's just too much money for wide receivers. Same thing is going to be here, especially, you know, we talk about this draft class. It, it wouldn't be the worst idea to get a defensive tackle because in the very near future, we could be moving on from Mike Daniels, who's getting older, who had a down year. And if nothing else, it makes it easier to move on from Mike Daniels. You can get probably a decent amount in a trade for that guy because he's still a stud. And at the same time, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting way down into the weeds. I'm just saying. Big money coming up. Nick Perry. It, it's tough. I think you could make a case for getting rid of both of them, or allowing Clay to leave and getting rid of Nick Perry, but I think that leaves us in a pretty tough spot. Um, it's really going to come down to the the staff to really get an idea of what was going on this past year. Is Nick Perry just done? Does he not care? Does he not have it? What is the situation with Nick Perry? Do we believe that he can be revitalized? Because listen, I'll take 20, you know, 17 Nick Perry. Again, if you look at 2015, 16, 17, he just he was, he was coming into his own, right? 2015, his his uh, fourth year after three years of being just kind of bust territory, he kind of took a step, and then in 2016 took a massive step, and then in 2017 kind of retained that a little bit, but you know the injury problems. And again, my prediction was he's going to be a stud if he can play 16 games, and he proved me absolutely wrong. But I don't think I was wrong in my thought process. I think I was wrong because there was external factors that kept him down. That's my opinion, and if that's true, I think it makes sense to keep him. Although I fully acknowledge 
the contract situation doesn't really bear that out because even at 2017, if we're talking about eight, nine sacks, that's cool over 16 games. And we do have to factor, I can't say over 16 games like that's a guarantee. He very rarely, if ever, plays 16 games. So you're probably going to get 12 to 14 games out of him, which removes some value. He's not a good pass rusher, which takes away a huge portion of his value because that's the primary role of his position. He can't cover, which is important for a 3-4 outside linebacker. Basically, you just put him strong side and say, don't let anybody run over here, which has value, but is it worth $14 million a year over the next three years? I, I don't know. So I'm not mad at any position. I, I'm saying it's not a done deal. A lot of people have said, you know, it's... Uh, 100% he's gone. I don't know that that's true at all. A lot of people said that about Jimmy Graham, too. I don't know. We'll talk about that a little bit. But it, it you can make a case. And I, I also think if we do decide we're not paying Nick Perry that much money, at that point, I'm willing to have a discussion about Clay. However, I think he's kind of capped out. Can we revitalize him a little bit? Yeah, maybe. But the guy's 33 years old, man. And I, I know some guys can do it. right? Julius did it for a real long time. But he hasn't been doing it, is my point with Clay Matthews. I think he's been done for a long time. His decline started after 2012, right? So looking at 2019 through 2012, he's, he's, he's good, he's good, he's very good, he's very good. Then in 2013, he goes down to above average, and then he's kind of good. So the next two years, he's, he's, he's all right. Definitely a dip in his production, even since his rookie year, but, you know, he's still kind of doing something. 2015 and 2016, he's, he's average to just kind of below average. 2016 was a terrible year. Then again, 2017, something freakish happens. Just kind of like out of nowhere, the guy can play the run really, really well. He has a better pass rush year than he has had probably since 2012. His tackling, for some reason, out of nowhere is good, which hasn't happened since 2014, and even that was kind of a rare thing. And his run defense is the best it's ever been. And, I, you know, again... This is something that was stressed very, very much by Dom Capers, right? Stop the run, get them into third and long situations, and they did a great job at that. The whole defense, the, the defensive tackles were great at stopping the run. The, the Nick Perry and Clay Matthews were great at stopping the run. Blake and Jake were really good against the run. It was just everybody was good against the run. Mike Pettin has come in and switched it up and said, you got to do different stuff. We're more focused on stopping the pass, even on first and second down. All of a sudden, Clay's like, well, I can't do that. And, and I mean, give me a break with, with Nick Perry. He absolutely can't do that. Blake Martinez rose to the occasion. Blake Martinez last year was a, a freak against the run. This past year, he was similarly graded, but he was all his, his coverage grade that got him to be as good as he is. So there's some people that can adapt and some people can't, and I don't know if Clay Matthews and Nick Perry can adapt. So again, this comes down to Brian Gutekunst and Mike Pettin really looking at these guys and saying, are they going to fit? Can they play in this scheme? Is it, was it a lack of effort? Was it a lack of, of, of technique? If it's, if it's a lack of technique, I want to keep them, I think. You know, you, you, again, you listen to what I had said about Mike Smith, what guys like D. Ford and Justin Houston had to say about him, about... You know, he, he hammers on the little stuff. And some of the older guys, Nick Perry is a veteran. Clay Matthews, absolutely, he's a veteran's veteran. They start talking about, you know, after a while, you know, especially with guys, you know, guys like Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, especially, they're so physically gifted, they get away with not being technical. Nick Perry is a monster human being. He could just bull rush people and slap people around like it's nothing. Clay was so fast and twitchy. Once you start to lose that, you got to start playing you know, you look at fourth and fifth round guys that can make it, it's because they're technicians. When you get to be older, you better learn to be a technician. But the problem is first round guys, 
never really learned it. Maybe they knew it at some point. Maybe they, they combined the super athleticism, super strength with some technique to make you a freak. Clay Matthews probably did that. Is why he was one, considered one of the best in the NFL for a brief period of time. But after a while, I think potentially you just kind of get lazy and you rely on those old athletic traits that just aren't there anymore. Nick Perry can't just smack around guys in front of him anymore. It's just boring. Tackles look at him and like, I know what he's going to do. And he's not even very good at it anymore. He's not strong enough to push me around. Clay Matthews is just going to leap and try to like leap around me like a gazelle, but he's not fast enough anymore. I can, you know, ball him up. Somebody's got to come in and teach technique, and it's possible, again, with and, and, and sit down now with your outside linebacker coach and, and have him analyze it along with Mike Pettin and Brian Gutekunst to, to talk personnel, to make decisions, to say, can this guy be taught? Is there a lack of technique? What do you think about this stuff? And, and you know, Mike Pettin was an outside linebacker coach, so this is their specialty. These guys are, are really going to have to grind the tape and say he failed you know, if you look at it and say he did everything right, he just doesn't have it. You know, he, what he's supposed to do in that situation is X. He did X and failed. At that point, it's game over, whatever, right? If Clay Matthews is, is using great technique and he just can't get it done, he's got to go. If he's just running around like a crazy person, which kind of is Clay's style, he's just kind of freestyles out there. You know, he's got like these spin moves and doing all this crazy stuff. But a lot of time, I mean, he's not even using his hands. He's, he's kind of like trying to spin and you know, once you get hands on Clay Matthews, he's not that big. I mean, compared to a 300-pound right tackle, compared to me, he's he would destroy me. You know what I'm saying. People get all sensitive about that, so i got to put caveats on everything because we're all sensitive about stuff. Oh, he's not big, huh? How big are you, smart guy? It's like people that freak out when you say this guy's trash. Like, oh, is he? Because he just happens to be one of the best in the world at playing football. Like, no kidding, genius. I'm talking among football players. Good jeez. I'm using a higher standard because we're talking about football players. Lighten up. There's nothing I despise more than people trying to sound smart by just saying obvious stuff. Like, that doesn't make you smart. It makes you obnoxious. You're not smart for saying that. Everybody understands that. Everybody knows that. What, what level of intellect do you need to spout that off? Oh, really? Because he just happens to be the 32nd best quarterback in the world. Okay, so the worst in the NFL? Yeah, no, he's trash. I'm going to say trash. Trash is what I'll say. Thank you very much. You can call him the greatest. You go ahead and call Blake Bortles, you know, or uh, whoever. You you go ahead and call them great because they're better than your grandma. That's awesome. You're brilliant. Thank you for your contribution to society. Anyways, that's kind of where I'm at. So in summation, I don't have an answer. I'm not saying I want Nick Perry. I'm not saying I want or don't want Clay Matthews. I'm saying there are parameters and situations in which I would keep Nick Perry. There are parameters and situations in which I would keep Clay Matthews. I think it's it's it makes sense to get rid of both of them, although it leaves us kind of thin. Even if we draft a guy, you know, if, if we could draft somebody in the first round, unless we go two first round guys, but even then it's not 100%. You know, we're talking late first is basically early second. What's the hit rate out there? Are we talking about 50-50? But if we just do one, I mean, if we get Montez Sweat with 12 or or whoever, you know, Ja'Kai Polite, and then we end up not getting another one until the third round, fourth round, it's it's probably going to be, what, Kyler Fackrell and the new guy? Which some people are fine with, I guess, with a fourth round guy backing them. I mean, there, there are worse situations in the NFL. I'm just saying, it kind of leaves, we're thin, we're thin. And if you get rid of Perry and Clay, despite the fact that they were kind of garbage anyways, 
it just I just don't I don't know. It makes me nervous. That's all I'm saying. So that's my input. You can make your own decision. And unless your contention is we should keep Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, I don't disagree with you. In other words, that's the only thing that I would just say we, we just can't do that. We can't bet on two horses. I mean, we can, but even so, it's 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 for what? We know Clay's gone. Even if we sign him to a one-year deal, he's he's 33 years old, man. He can't do this for very much longer. Even if there's a little bit left in the tank, we're just going to run him into the ground? It's time to let it go. So anyways, there is my answer. My very long answer. Moving on, as I alluded to, um, the Packers have, at least it's been reported, the Packers are keeping Jimmy Graham. And I, I kind of like that. And the reason I like it isn't because it's like, oh, that's what I thought they should do. Because, again, a lot of the reasons I can't play GM, you know, a lot of people like to play GM, and it's fun, and it's, it's whatever. But you really have to have a lot of insights, which is to say you got to have your tight end coach, your GM, your offensive coordinator, your head coach, you know, all the offensive people kind of analyzing the tape and deciding, can we use this guy? So what is the question? If I'm, if I'm the coach, if I'm the GM, and I want to decide what I'm doing with Jimmy Graham before I make a determination, I have to go back and I watch, have to watch his film. And I'm asking very similar questions that I asked about Clay, Mary, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. Clay Mary. And the, the basic situation is, is this a matter of a guy that just doesn't have it anymore? Or is this a problem with he wasn't used properly, he's not using proper technique, and with, with good enough coaching and using proper routes and using him in a certain kind of way in this system, can he be revitalized? Not... You know, again, I'm not talking 2011, 2012, 2013 Jimmy Graham. I'm just saying, can, can we get him back to being what he th- we thought he was going to be last year? And with this news, what it tells me, it's not, you know, again, it's not because I want him. It just tells me that they believe that the, the problem with Jimmy Graham was external, not internal. And that's good news because it tells me that we could have the Jimmy Graham next year that we thought we were going to have this past year. Now, that's my assumption. I don't know that. Perhaps it's just Brian Gutekunst saying, listen, I sunk a lot of money and I have my reputation on the line. You're going to fix this. We're going to resign him. Maybe it was just a unilateral decision. Hopefully that's not it because it doesn't take a lot of effort to just say, hey, this is what we're doing today. I need to know what to do with Jimmy Graham. I need your input on this. You know, as, as a personnel person, obviously the GM can look at it that way, but you have to interact. with. See, and this, this is the thing too. I, I always assume this is just how operations work within an NFL football team because it's just common sense in my mind. But every time I get a little peek behind the curtain, it's like, wait, you don't do this stuff? You have to do this. What are you doing all day? So I, I'm, I'm going to operate under the assumption that, that a lot of lot of thought has gone into this. And there's still time. You know, maybe they, they haven't quite done it yet and they'll come to a different determination later. This is just sort of a report of an expectation. But it's it's good news for the reason that I said it's good news, and it does have me excited because Jimmy Graham is a is a unique athlete just based on his physical attributes. And again, you know, even when I went back and watched him with the Saints, he wasn't really a burner. Yeah, he's a better route runner. Yes, he had more speed. But you go look at those big plays. He's not wide open. Very rarely. He's he's running down the middle of the field. He's got two guys step for step for him, but the timing is just perfect. And with his gigantic frame, all he has to do is turn his body around, launch himself up in the air, and be the only one that has the ability to catch it. He does. He brings it down. Game over. There's nothing that says he can't do that now. Now, he looked clumsy out there. I don't really know what the situation is. But again, you talk to your tight ends coach, like, you know, what? just just have these conversations. Here's what we're going to do with them. we got to work on this. I mean, that, that is the problem with veterans. Jimmy Graham, when you have a guy that is 
that is as physically gifted as him, it's possible that you can get lazy, especially if you have coaches that are just like, oh, he doesn't need coaching. He's, he's great. He knows what to do. Sometimes you got to get back to basics and get back to fundamentals because you get a little bit older and you can't just win on physicality anymore. Sometimes you know, you're going to get a young, hungry linebacker that's going to punch you right in the mouth and say, I don't care what your name is. I don't care what it says on the back of your jersey. You think you're going to come in here and muscle me around? I don't think so. You know, 23, 24-year-old guys, they got some stuff going for them, man. Jimmy Graham doesn't quite have that testosterone pumping like he did back when he was in his early 20s. It's just a natural thing that happens. The aggression, the the hunger, the fight. I mean, this is a guy who's looking at retirement going up against a guy. I don't care where he's drafted. He's looking to make a name for himself in the NFL. That matters. And at some point, you got to get a a coach to come in there and just say, look, we got to work on on fundamentals. I can't treat you like the great Hall of Fame Jimmy Graham. This is what we got to do. This is how we got to do it. You have to operate within the system. You got to understand the fundamental things, the simple things, you know, you know, route running, boxing people out, hand catching, all that stuff. And if, if you got problems with drops last year, you're going to the jugs machine, man, and you're going to sit there and you're going to work on it. And we're, that's what we're going to do. You got to get back to, to, to getting back to the fundamentals because the days of just being, you know, God given talent overcoming people that's just those days are over man so anyways i am excited about it the other implication here because i don't believe we're keeping all three tight ends is that the odds of us keeping kendricks and or lewis went down a little bit i've already stated i think mercedes lewis makes a little bit of sense but they've got to go through that same process you know again you've got your offensive coordinator nathaniel hackett who has worked with mercedes lewis so it kind of leads me to believe that that kind of makes sense, but you have to go back. You have to watch last year and say, what's going on here? His blocking was not good. Why? Now, I have to assume that considering he was the best blocking tight end in 2017, that he didn't just completely fall off a cliff in 2018 physically. I would assume they're going to look at the tape and go, yeah, this isn't what I coached him up to do. This isn't how we used him. This isn't whatever, whatever. And then you got reports coming out of everywhere, anti-McCarthy reports, you know, whether it's you know, whoever, all kinds of tight ends going, yeah, you know, I mean, Jermichael Finley loves uh, McCarthy, but even that was more of a, a relational thing. It wasn't so much like, yeah, he really knew how to utilize my talents kind of thing. But just the general idea is the way he utilizes his tight ends doesn't make any sense for their strengths. So my anticipation would be we keep Mercedes Lewis, we get rid of Lance Kendricks, and then maybe we look into the draft to find to get a little bit of youth outside of Tanyan. Because, you know, at some point we're getting rid of Kendricks and Jimmy Graham and we have nobody left. Just no more free agents, please. All right. With the exception of maybe if, uh, like I said, Max Williams becomes available or something, maybe we take a look at that because he's very young. But no more old broke down guys. All right, please just look into the draft and try to find somebody young. It doesn't have to be Hawkinson or Fant. Just, you know, somebody that we can work on over the next year or two. Second round, third round, I don't care. Give me something, man. Anyways, moving on to a little bit of newsy news, and this is where we'll end because uh, we're getting to about, you know, where I usually get. Beyond that, I have to go start my car a little bit early, see if it even starts in, uh, what is the temperature right now? Negative 21, wind chill, I don't know. Supposed to be negative 40, negative 50 around this time. So right now it's negative 23, feels like negative 52, so that's awesome. You know what the worst part is? I woke up actually feeling sick, but I can't call in sick because they're going to call me out on it. I mean, I could, and they wouldn't actually say anything, but I know they'd just be like, he's a liar. He just wants to use a sick day to not come in. So I'm going to go in sick on a freezing, ugh, whatever. 
It's not the first time. I went to work negative 50 before. I actually was really disappointed. I remember the last time it was in Kenosha where I was working. It was negative 50. And I was so jacked to walk outside because I never felt it. And I was like, I can't wait to see what this feels like. And it just felt like cold. It didn't really feel like anything. It's kind of how it was yesterday. I usually go on a walk at lunchtime. And I was like, oh man, it's like negative 25 with wind chill. Going to be crazy. And I went outside and when it's not, when the wind isn't blowing, it's just like, this is just cold. I don't understand. That is until you walk right by a lake and it's just constant wind for about 45 seconds until you can trudge through some snow. And all I can think about is what's going to happen when I have a heart attack and die out here. And nobody's walking on this path because nobody's dumb enough to go on a walk today. Except me. It's going to be fun. Anyways, let's talk some news. The first bit of news is that the Green Bay Packers have interviewed a special teams coach. That's something that's been going very, very slow. They're being very deliberate. A lot of people are very upset. And I I would love to know. I'm not saying people are wrong. I'm not doing whatever. But the Dolphins coach, the, the Rizzy guy, why is he such a big deal? I'm just, I don't get it. I'm sure there's a reason, but people are freaking out. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Sure there's a reason, but uh, apparently, and the only reason I'm really bringing it up is because apparently, um, according to Tom Silverstein, Stein, Silverstein is how you say it, I think. I remember because it's I-before-E, right? That's the old rule. So it's Stein. It's a little trick if you struggle like I struggle. But uh, he does have ties to Mike Pettin. He was assistant special teams coach for the Browns for seven seasons, including 14-15 when Mike Pettin was there. Um, just a cursory check over at Pro Football Focus. The Browns were pretty terrible in special teams. I mean, it, it was volatile. It went up and down. I, I, I don't know what makes a good coach, man. It's definitely not production. That's just not how it works. And it, I've, I've given examples of guys who have had terrible track records, like the, who was it, the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Guy's got a terrible track record since forever. He's been demoted several times. He finally gets another chance. He he gets the D.C. job for the Baltimore Ravens, and they are just freakish on defense. I, I don't know. So I don't know what it is. I think it just comes down to having good players, right? And you got to have a coach that can kind of get the best out of your guys, and sometimes you just don't have guys to get the best out of. So you're going to have a garbage special teams unit. But at the very least, we need to not have, you know, dumb mistakes, you know, avoidable things should be avoided. Beyond that, I'm not sure how to exactly evaluate people, right? I mean, it, it's very rare to get a guy that's special enough to be a good kick returner to get touchdowns. Usually, it's the guy. Now, you got to have a good unit that can set up the blocks and all that stuff, but you still have to have the guy that's capable of it. You also have to have a unit that doesn't hold every single time a guy touches the ball. You should probably not have problems with so many drops and fumbles and dumb decisions like guys wandering around the ball as it's bouncing around and eventually the ball bounces and hits a guy in the knee and then the other team recovers because why are you wandering around the ball? Run away. Literally pretend like that thing is a grenade and run for your life. Why people wander around the ball? Because then you know what the other team's going to do? They're going to push you into the ball and then recover it. And then he gets all mad, like, dude, why are you pushing me? Like, are you kidding me? What do you mean? That's exactly what he's supposed to do. That's what I would do. Why are you getting offended? You're the one making a mistake. You shouldn't be there. Why are you watching? Is it, is it that interesting? I don't know. Is there something about the way a punter kicks a ball that it just, it's magnificent when it bounces on the ground on a, on a, you know, football field? Is it a beautiful sight to behold? Maybe I should go check it out sometime. See if I can get on the horn with JK and be like, dude, can you just kick a ball down on this end? I want to watch it bounce because it seems magnificent. It seems like it's hypnotizing because guys just want to linger around and stare at it. Clearly, I'm missing something in my life. So yeah, if we could just avoid stuff like that, that'd be fantastic. 
Uh, beyond that, there is an expectation that has been reported uh, that the Packers do have a wide receivers coach, a coach by the name of Alvis Witted. That's how I'm going to say it until somebody corrects me. It's basically Witten, but with a D instead of an N, so I'm calling it Witted. Ah, see, and they spelled it wrong. I think it's a lot Twitter. It's not Witten with a D. It's There's an H in there, too. So the guy actually has a pretty decent reputation. He, he he played wide receiver, which is always kind of important, especially to wide receivers. They like that kind of stuff. Uh, played college at North Carolina. Wasn't, uh, you know, he's more of a kick returner than anything else. 96 and 97, he had uh, 14 receptions for 268 and then 13 receptions for 180 yards. That's not in a game. That's his entire year that year. 461 total receiving yards and... Uh, Zero touchdowns is his career in college. But uh, he's got the kick return thing down, which maybe could add a little bit of something-something to him. You know, if you got some wide receivers trying to get the kick return thing down, maybe he could help out a little bit. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, but he ends up getting drafted, which is surprising. But uh, seventh-round draft pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars in 1998. Plays in Jacksonville up through 2001. And then uh, he ends up going over to the Oakland Raiders, goes there from 2002 until 2006. Never went over uh, 300 yards, 299 was the most he ever got. That was in his final year. It was also the only year where he started most of the season. It was 13 out of 14 games that he played, he was a starter. So went out on a high note, I suppose. After that, as far as his coaching career, he started off with the UCLA Bruins. Did that for one year, and then in 2012, he goes over and starts working with the uh, Colorado State, uh, the Rams over there. And uh, for being a relatively smaller school, they've actually had some pretty good receivers. Um, he is kind of a well-regarded coach for that reason. Uh, starting in his second year, so his first year, there wasn't really any standouts. The second year, he gets Rashard Higgins, who is currently in the NFL, also guys like Crockett Gilmore. But uh, Rashard Higgins in his first year, 68 receptions, 837 yards. Crockett Gilmore's a tight end, but I don't know. Maybe he helped a little, whatever. Um, And then uh, Rashard Higgins in 2014 gets 96 receptions for 1,750 yards. So in his second year, we're talking 1,700 yards, 17 touchdowns. So you want to know how this guy splashed onto the scene? That's crazy. Again, in his first year, his first year there, I don't think anybody even got to 500 yards. Rashard Higgins shows up, he gets up to 800 yards, which is a big jump, and in his second year, 1,750 yards, 18.2 yard average, 17 touchdowns. Then in uh, Rashard Higgins' final year, 74 receptions, 1,061 yards, 14.3 average, 8 touchdowns. So another really, really good year. He ends up getting drafted in the fifth round, 172 overall by the Cleveland Browns. Fifth, Fifth round isn't all that great, but you figure, again, this is a small school, and uh, he he was either won the Blitnikoff Award or he was a finalist. I'm not really sure. But in other words, one of the top wide receivers in the nation is is what he built. So then he gets drafted the very next year in 2016. He's got himself a new project by the name of Michael Gallup. And Michael Gallup's first year, 76 receptions, 1,272 yards, 14 touchdowns. In 2017, I think, right? Yeah, 2017. Michael Gallup, 100 receptions, 1,418 yards, 7 touchdowns. The guy only played two years. He must have redshirted his first year. He gets drafted in the third round by the Dallas Cowboys. He ends up starting eight games, gets 68 targets, 33 receptions for 507 yards. That's not bad for only starting half the season. 15.4 yards per reception, two touchdowns. So then this past year, after he gets drafted, guess what? He grabs another guy. 
Preston Williams is his name. 96 receptions, 1,345 yards, 14 touchdowns. So basically every year, with the exception of his first year, he ends up coaching up one of the top guys in the nation. Just, the, you know, he's got a 1,000 to 1,500-yard receiver every single year. And again, this time it's Preston Williams. Now, to be clear, Preston Williams had been on the team in 2017. He also was in uh, Tennessee for two years. So it's not like, well, maybe he just lucks out and gets a guy every single year. N- no. 2015, um, 158 yards from scrimmage total. Seven receptions, 158 yards. 2016, nine receptions, 89 yards. 2017, he ends up not playing. 2018, his first year starting after all these studs get drafted. Alvis Witted gets a hold of him. 96 receptions, 1,345 yards, 14 touchdowns. You want to know why this guy is hailed as one of the top wide receiver um, coaches in the nation? Because from a small school, what up dance party, time to go, I got to get rocking. From a you know relatively small school, the Colorado State Rams, they keep cranking out these wide receivers, and sure enough, after Gallup gets gets uh, drafted, can he do it again? And he does it again. And not only does he do it again with this guy that just kind of came out of nowhere, this is his fourth year, his third year playing. The guy's never gone over like 250 yards. Turns him into a 1,300-yard receiver year one. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. I mean, it, it, you know, and this is different than everything else. Everything else is kind of like, eh, I don't know, there's not a whole lot as far as the resume, you know, he's a good guy though, he loves his family, says his prayers, eats his vitamins, he's on the whole Kogan diet, but, uh, you know, the track record, whatever, whatever, this guy, his resume speaks for itself. I mean, this is just, if you look at who are the top wide receiver coaches available, this is one of the top ones. So, this one feels a little different. We're taking a swing at a guy that actually has a really good resume, so hopefully that pans out. I'm really excited about it. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.